eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. Bye, Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino down the sideline into the end zone. Touchdown Giants! From the offseason through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, another game week, a winning game week as your over 500 Giants are ready to take one giant step, we hope. It's Sean Morash, it's Paul Dottino here on One Giant Step as we look ahead to the home opener and week two with the Carolina Panthers coming up at 1 o'clock on Fox and is heard on WFAN. Hello, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Great to talk to you. And I, I need you to repeat that again. The over 500 Giants? The over 500 Giants, Paul. I, I didn't have as much gray in my beard the last time I could say that, which is really sad. <laughs> And but I have your hair. Exactly. <laughs> but here we are. And, of course, nothing can come smooth with the Giants. Just when I am rotting on sky high, uh, full disclosure, depending on when you're downloading this, listening to it. And, by the way, thank you to all of our subscribers and listeners and those downloading as we hope this is going to be a very happy season for Giants football along for the ride that we've gained this week. But we'll start with injuries and where we stand on a Thursday morning the Aaron Robinson appendectomy, first of all, terrible. Obviously, you don't want to see that happen. That's a, that's a tough one that Joe Burrow went through in camp. So he's out this week and really out indefinitely because who knows when you have an appendectomy how long that takes to truly, truly heal up. I, Paul, I remember you know the kids that used to have those when we were in high school. It's like we wouldn't yeah. see them be able to play sports again for about six weeks. Now, I know this is the NFL. These aren't kids on the kickball field. But nonetheless... This goes back to a training camp conversation we had, and we kept talking about defensive backs and bodies, and you were all over adding guys to the safety room, which we did. Tony Jefferson, Pinnock, and the Giants added corners as well, which I thought were really important. But my biggest fear for the team was, I don't even know how good Aaron Robinson's going to be as an outside corner, but if Robinson or Dory Jackson miss games, it's going to scare the you know living daylights out of me. And here we are in what's seemingly a winnable stretch of football for the Giants starting this week with Carolina. Uh, I am I am extremely nervous about having Aaron Robinson out of action here, who had a pretty solid game versus Tennessee Paul. Welcome to the NFL, Cordell Flott. 
<laughs> and you better grow up really, really quickly. Well, Paul, that's interesting. That's the first name out of your mouth is Cordell Flott. I was under the impression we might be seeing mainly a, you know, a Fabian Moreau. And of course, I know that McLeod got hurt. That kind of hurts his chances as well. You think Flott is the next man up here, even on the outside, the rookie? Yeah, I think at the moment, he's got a nose ahead of the rest of the guys on the depth chart. Wow. Uh, he may, he may, I think he's going to get the most burn at practice this week. It remains to be seen if he can hold on to that lead by Friday, because if he doesn't practice well, it's clear that coach Woo. values practice and you get what you earn. So if Flott doesn't practice well, it will be somebody else. But I do think they like him a lot. And even though he missed some time during training camp, look, I'll, Sean, I'm going to be honest with you. I know when he was drafted, a lot of the newspaper guys thought he'd be a slot guy. Yeah. I never thought that way. He's got length. He's got speed. He's got some stickiness. I think he's better suited to the outside. I have felt that way from the beginning. And the limited practice reps that I saw from him in August, I am convinced that he's actually better outside. Wow. All right. So I'm kind of surprised hearing that because, again, you're – Close to it, so I'm going to trust you. You're my man now. You're my man's, Paul. I was kind of under the impression Darnay Holmes would probably be phased out by the end of this year, and that's where we would see a lot of flot in the nickel. And by the way, Holmes obviously had his hands full in week one. So it's so funny how expectations change because I came into this podcast thinking there's a reason we signed Fabian Moreau, a guy with starting experience, even if he hasn't been great, but that's somebody that, hey, a starter on the outside could come in, play, Wink Martindale's defense and all of that. And clearly, Joe Shane and Brian Dable and Wink Martindale all must have saw something Cordell Flott to use a pick. He's not a sixth or seventh rounder either. To use a draft pick on developing him. If you were to tell me a week and a half ago, hey, week two, Cordell Flott starting on the outside, Aaron Robinson's out and banged up. My reaction would probably be like, hey, this is a year where I want to see the young guys grow, throw, you know, trial by fire, that kind of deal. But now that the Giants have won, and now that Dak Prescott is hurt, and we see this upcoming schedule coming up with Carolina. I don't want to lose a single one of these four games. I'm extremely greedy. I have not tempered my expectations since our last podcast, Paul. And the thought of Cordell Flott, what a fourth-round pick, starting on the outside in week two in games that should be winnable scares me to the heavens that that could be a major exposure and the reason the Giants don't win a couple of these games, which could, in the end, be the difference in making the playoffs or not. Well, the reason that it should be a problem for you, Sean, is that the Giants would probably prefer not to travel a Dory Jackson. Now, yeah. DJ Moore who, who is it, on Woods all game long on Sunday when I went yeah. back and watched. Yeah. Now, um, DJ Moore is a three-time thousand-yard receiver. And despite the fact that he's never been to a Pro Bowl, he's incredibly dangerous. Very good player. He will flip-flop left to right. He will even see some occasional snaps in the slot. So how will the Giants deal with that when you consider that former Jet Robbie Anderson is going to be the other split receiver? Yeah. And by the way, he caught a 75-yard touchdown pass against the Browns last week. Yeah. So you're talking about two accomplished receivers in the league and quite frankly have a little bit more – um, intimidation, if you will, in terms of their potential explosiveness than what the Giants saw out of Tennessee's crop last week. Throw on top of that that Baker has a better arm than Tannehill, can make all the throws, 
and has some escapability in his legs. Well, now you understand why the combination of the Giants' very quiet pass rush last week with a better receiving core than what the Titans showed, you now know why the Giants need to be a bit nervous about this game. Because this is not an easy matchup like last week. I really loved the matchup last week, and it's why I picked the Giants to win. This matchup is a bit more difficult, and then throw in the horror show that is the Giants' interior linebackers trying to cover a running back out of the backfield, and Christian McCaffrey should touch the ball at least 25 times. What I'm telling you, Sean, is that I think the Giants' offense can have their way with the Panthers' defense. But I also think that the Carolina offense has ways to attack the Giants' Achilles on D. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt there, which is going to bring me, and we'll get to, to CMC here in a second. It's the pass rush situation, man. And look, obviously, Jihad Ward had his moments in the run game. O'Shane Zimenez had a couple good reps there in the, you know, obviously pass rush game. But I, again, I am not around it. I, it was nice to see that Thibodeau took strides, but I'm under the assumption these guys are going to be out again here, Paul, both Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, it's tough. And, and the reason it's tough for me is if the Giants would have said the moment Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt, and I know why you want to take it week to week. Hey, he's going to start the year in IR, miss the first four games, something like that. Like, I would have expected that based on what we saw on tape. The teasing of like week by week, seeing where he's going, and all of a sudden now we're going to get, you know, if we get to week two and he doesn't play, and the same thing with Ojolari, it's like, damn, how many games are they really, really going to miss where we have this hope maybe on Monday that they could be back the following week? Sean, you know this as well as I do. Injuries are sometimes harder to predict than at other times. Uh, this is a situation where uh, both Ojolari and Thibodeau were limited yesterday. As we tape this on Thursday morning, Thibodeau actually practiced in his limited reps with a brace on his knee yesterday. And he had the guardian cap on his helmet, too, which is usually a decent sign that he's running around, right? <laughs> well, you know... There's those safety reasons are in place for a reason because you feel as though he's going to do something where he could get hit. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that there's trying to ramp both guys up a bit. Does that mean they're going to play Sunday? The truth of the matter is it's too early to tell. And they'll probably both be a game time decision. Now, having said that. Bad old line with Carolina. That's a bad old line I want to feast on. That could be the difference with this this cornerback room. Well, it is. Now, I got a chance to watch the the, the Panthers-Browns game uh, Monday night. I I got a really good look at their tape. I'm a huge Ike Iquanu fan and thought he was the best offensive tackle uh, prospect in this draft. And I was really hoping the Giants would get Iquanu and Thibodeau. Okay? But obviously, when Iquanu was taken off the board, then Evan Neal became available, right. and that's who the Giants were able to scout. Not a up. bad so consolation very, for us. Right. No, no, very happy with that. But here's what I want to tell you. Because I was so high on Aquanu, I was very specific about watching him on tape last week. And what I saw is that he looked like Andrew Thomas when he was a rookie against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay? He was oversetting to the inside. Because he was so nervous about letting the pass rush get to the inside that he would overset that way and overcompensate and give up the edge. Miles Garrett, with his quickness off the snap and his ability to get around the edge, ate Iquanu for lunch, especially in the first half. He gave him fits. Now, why do I bring this up? 
Well, it's because if Thibodeau is able to play, his quickness off the snap is his best pass rushing trait. And as long as he's got at least most of that quickness available in his arsenal, he would give Iquanu fits. Iquanu's going to be a great player. But right now, he's what Andrew Thomas was as a rookie, which means he's got to find his way through the trees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ugh, I mean, it, see, this is the problem. This is why, and I know we have to battle through injuries, but my biggest fear with the Giants all year long, when everybody talked about them not being very good, and I was with a hey, six-win team and all of it, was the the moment injuries start to happen, I just didn't trust their depth. Now, again, those guys were a good fit for Tennessee. They're backups at pass rush, but... Now, as you watch these people, if they don't have both pass rushers and they don't have Aaron Robinson, there's only so many, you know, injuries that Wink Martindale can withstand here versus an offense that can make a lot of plays, which now brings us to Christian McCaffrey. And clearly him not touching the ball enough in week one was an issue. It was almost like Matt Rule fell in love with the idea of Baker Mayfield going out and trying to beat the Cleveland Browns. Baker yeah. Mayfield himself is now having to answer questions for why he had so many passes batted down. Versus Cleveland, and he's trying to make jokes about, you know, how his parents, you know, blame them. He should have been a little taller and whatnot. This has to be a big hands-up game for the Giants. But when it comes to covering Christian McCaffrey, Paul, upon my rewatch, boy, did Austin Calitro stink at times. And Tate Crowder was really good in the run, but he even, you know, pass coverage was very suspect. I don't know if this is going to mean more Mike and McFadden this week. I got to imagine Giants coaches are seeing a lot on the tape with what happened with Austin Calitro as well. But any of our linebackers in that space having to worry about wheel routes or anything else that goes with Christian McCaffrey, I mean, you're talking about yeah, this easily could be 14 points on the table from Christian McCaffrey big plays that, again, in these kind of games could be the difference between winning and losing. Consider that Hilliard uh, caught two touchdown passes against the Giants last weekend, you know, coming out of the backfield. That's not a pleasant thought when you know that McCaffrey is staring you in the face. Obviously, he beat Calitro on the left seam route, and then he leaked out on the wheel route, and Crowder was just way behind the play. Uh, the Giants only gave up one pass play of more than 27 yards last week, and it was the 31-yard touchdown to Hilliard. And then that, that kind of shows you the danger zone that they're going to have in the middle of the field with their interior linebackers trying to handle McCaffrey. My solution for this, and I believe that Wink Martindale is certainly smart enough to do it, would be to go to a three-safety package. Just rely on one linebacker on the field. If it's going to be Crowder, fine. Let him stay on the field. All right, I'm not talking about edge rushers. I'm talking about the interior backers. Let Crowder stay on the field and bring in a third safety. If it's got to be Tony Jefferson, 
then make it Tony Jefferson and right. have him spy on McCaffrey because you cannot afford to let that guy run wild in open space. It, it's a poison pill, Sean. Yeah, it's a, po- a poison pill. There's your Paulism. It's a poison pill today. It absolutely is. Uh, this week. And with that, you know, one more on the injury note when it comes to what the packages were covering CMC. I don't mean to mock the guy because I hope he ends up being a really good player for the Giants, a Julian Love-like player. But following the Giants beat as close as I do, Paul, you would think that, you know, Dane Belton was drafted to be Troy Palomalu the way we're, you know, getting amped up that he's getting, you know, the red jerseys getting shedded. He could make his debut. I mean, let's calm down with Dane Belton getting a lot of reps as the third safety. I know he looked good at times in camp, but that's like I missed almost all of camp after yeah. he did get hurt. Uh, what kind of role do you envision for a Dane Belton when the team does have Pinnock now and Ju- and Tony Jefferson? Well, P- Pinnock was limited at practice yesterday, so so I don't know what his availability is going to be. Obviously, he recovered that uh, Muff uh, special teams return right. the other day, which was a really nice play for him. If Belton had been healthy throughout training camp, he would have been the third safety. And to right. be honest with you, they may have never claimed Jefferson or, or signed Jefferson. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I understand that. And he would be the perfect guy to fit into this role that I'm talking about. The question becomes, with such limited practice time, how much can you expect to get out of him this week? Now, there's one caveat to this, Sean. And that's, that's and I'm going to throw this at you because it's still a possibility. If you're going to tell him strictly to spy on McCaffrey, well, that doesn't take a lot of game planning. Right. It doesn't require because you're not playing zone and you're not doing a lot of communication no, you're just with anybody. A man. You're taking a man. I kind of think that might be the best way to go. So maybe Belton could be part of this equation if right. you just have him spy. All right. So now, look, first of all, a guy playing his first ever game that wasn't a first round pick, second round pick, third round pick to say, here, you're going to spy Christian McCaffrey all game after not having any of your training camps, a big problem. But, Paul, the reason I, this is a long way of like throwing a little fish bait out there for you on Monday's podcast, because I now have a theory on this. You talked about how much time Kadarius Tony had missed, and that was a reason that he had a very limited part of the game plan. Yes. And I. And I, I've learned to buy that, and I have a theory on that that I'm going to spin you forward. But if I see a lot of Dane Belton on Sunday after being injured, why would he be playing almost by different rules than Kadarius Tony with having limited reps, knowing what we know about Tony on the field and the unknown with Belton? You know what I mean? Like why? Well, that's why easy. You... That's easy because okay. if a wide receiver uh, is required to know the playbook, especially with the complex offense that the Giants run, and he makes a mistake, that's an interception. It's a turnover. The thing with Belton, if you're going to use him in the spy capacity this week, he doesn't have to know as much of the playbook. If he's just going to man up and spy a guy, look, that's your guy. You shadow him. That's not as complicated as what Tony needs to know on the other side of the ball. It's just not. Okay. I mean, but there does come a point in time where a guy is that explosive a playmaker. I, again, I know that. Let let me me put you this way, Sean. I'm not, I'm not advocating that Belton take that role this right. week. I'm just saying it's possible. I would okay. probably feel more comfortable if Jefferson were doing it, to be frank with you. So here's my thoughts on Tony. Okay, because I think Kadarius Tony, now if the Giants are going to go forward and really start humming on offense, I, I, with all due respect to David Sills and Richie James, Tony's going to have to be a, a factor in this op. He just has to be if we are going to want more explosive plays 
and add it. And you know, as teams now start start to stack the box versus Saquon and whatnot, like Tony is that kind of guy. So you brought up that Kadarius Tony with the miss camp and all that time. Kadarius Tony, I thought had a really good answer. And I think it was Renan that answered asked the question about you know are you frustrated with your role. And Tony didn't take the bait like Odell might have back in the day. And he had a great answer. Said, How could you be disappointed with winning? Which is a great answer. It's what you want. He's not acting like a prima donna. It's almost like everybody wants Kadarius Tony to act like a true diva. And he's not taking the bait and doing so. So I appreciated that. That showed a little maturity. My theory on Tony now is this. If everything you said to me on Monday is true about Kadarius Tony and missing all his time in camp. And the Giants had all those kind of design plays for him and he was involved. And, you know, the game play, uh, you know, whatever, game planning, everything goes into it. I wonder if there's a piece of this Giants staff with Dable, with Joe Shane, uh, Kafka, that all know, hey, this is a guy last year as a rookie. Whatever people said about him from the previous regime, he missed a lot of time with injuries. And it wasn't just one injury. It was like four or five different things by the end of the year. He was banged up. He did miss a lot of time. He was missed like a lot of time. Church, John. Missed a lot of time. Now he comes in in this training camp, you know, wasn't at that original mini camp, but then came, ends up showing up at training camp, looks good, then gets hurt again. I think deep down, there might be a belief inside that giant room from this coaching staff and this regime. Hey, we want to test this guy's mentality a little bit and send him a message like this. Are there injuries that Tony had where maybe they thought mm, he could be practicing or, or working his way back to practice a little quicker? And maybe he thinks you know what, I'm going to lay low, I'll play the game, that kind of idea. And that maybe this is a situation by week one, giving him that kind of role was the message to Tony. You're banged up a lot. Let's test your toughness here. How much can you start practicing and playing through and not just sit back and think things are going to be handed to you? Where maybe it's a little test to Tony's will that he's trying to answer that. And now maybe when Tony has a little nick, you know what, I'm out there, I'm practicing, something like that. That to me now seems like a sensible theory that this staff is basically using this as a tool to get the most out of Tony with how many injuries he supposedly has dealt with. I cannot, uh, I cannot follow that line of thought. Uh, what I saw last week was a situation where he was going to be limited anyway. We, we kind of, again, because of the snap count. And Richie James, who has been with the Giants the entire offseason and knows the playbook like the back of his hand and was producing, clearly he was – outside of the Shepard long touchdown, was the most productive wide receiver that the Giants had in the game. They're well, all, Paul, behind, John. Paul, he had five catches. All yeah. right, one, one of them was that play at the end of the first half that didn't matter. Two others were on like third and two, where they weren't going to get a first down anyway. Richie James was fine. And then he dropped a huge pass for him. He dropped a, big, a third down conversion is what he let's, dropped, and, and that was terrible. All I'll say about this is, and I understand that Tony has his warts, let's let's – Calm down on thinking Richie James is Amani Toomer here, too. All right. Oh, no, no, nobody's saying that. But what no, you got to remember is that he knows the offense. He's a smart player, and they trust him to know exactly what to do. And unfortunately, because of the complexities of this offense, they've got to have complete trust and faith that you've got this sucker down, or you're not going to be able to get out there and necessarily run everything that they want you to run. And, and they were down in the game trying to make a comeback. The last thing in the world they want is somebody making a mental mistake. They trusted James not to make a mistake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Then let's just have a conversation fan. The fan here is a giant fan. You hear that. Tony wasn't practicing. Well, I mean, where'd he go? Siberia? He wasn't reading the playbook? Like, I understand that it's in-depth and complex. Shouldn't that be the one thing that Tony knows really well when he wasn't on the field is the freaking playbook? Not, not, not the same because timing is such an important part of what they do. If you can't in this offense, and it's with many offenses, it's not just this one in particular, but if you don't have the physical reps to get that timing in sync with the quarterback, it doesn't matter how much book study you've done and how much you may think you know. It's also the physical muscle memory and the actual actions of what you do on the field. The truth of the matter is Tony and Daniel Jones have not had even a fraction of work together as Jones did with James. And I, I believe being that they were trying to climb up Bill and trying to come back in the second half, they just all felt they're more comfortable with the guy who's going to be in sync with the quarterback. Now, I, again, I think this whole Tony story is a lot of big to do about nothing. And I think that once this kid gets himself squared away and has all the oil going on on his wheels and his engine, he's going to be fine. I, I, I just don't all see right. I don't see the, the deal. I just don't see it. All right. So presumably he's going to have a full week of practice. The coaching staff obviously knows that the, you know, the media hounds are out to get them on why Tony isn't playing. This is clearly. Well, they kept sticking a fork in Tony's stomach yesterday. It was embarrassing, to be frank well, with you. I, I agree. And and that's why I said I gave Tony credit because I, a lot of other players, especially, and we know receivers, Paul, this last 20 years of football, would have answered those questions a lot differently and maybe, no maybe melted down. And Tony didn't. Tony didn't. I really give him credit for that. So my question is, if he has a full week of practice here, we're playing the Carolina Panthers, a different kind of defensive matchup. You should see more snaps. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, yes. like this shouldn't be a seven-stack game for Tony. Like, this should it not, won't be. We should not be having a podcast one giant step on Monday morning where we're going, why the heck wasn't Tony used enough? I would be extremely surprised if that's the case. He practiced yesterday. From what I saw, he looked very spry, looked very good, was not listed as wow. limited on the injury report. I'm having right? Adam clip that. I'm having Adam clip that because if I come back and he's got 12 snaps on Monday, I'm gonna I'm gonna ring your head and we're gonna have play that back a million then, times. Then you got me. Let's just hope he doesn't get hurt during the game. Well, that, that's true too. <laughs> we don't need any more of that. All right, with that, let's play a little game: fantasy versus reality. Last week, Saquon Barkley was both the reality and the fantasy. Which, by the way, I think Paul is what you had said too: Saquon, Saquon, Saquon. I thought Galladay would score a touchdown. I was completely wrong. I wish I had said Chris Myronick, huh? So that was kind of the situation we were. <laughs> now, my reality was Andrew Thomas would be the best player on the offense. And other than Saquon Barkley, he was. Andrew Thomas was that dominant on tape. So, again, you know, it doesn't have to be literally fantasy points because you could talk about the defense here. You know, who is going to tantalize those screens and everybody's going to go, ooh, and ah, and go, that was why the Giants won. And in the reality, who's the biggest key to the Giants winning? We'll start with you, Paul. Well, I, I really believe that what the Giants saw last week in their passing game, where they were extremely efficient and they were able to hit a couple of big plays, I believe they're going to try to do some of that against the Panthers. They're not, they're not afraid of the Panthers' pass rush. I mean, all they've got is Brian Burns. And other than yeah. that, I don't think they can manufacture a pass rush. Yeah, Gross so Matos is not going to be going crazy on Evan Neal. No, no. And so I do think the Giants will open things up a little bit more we will see more of Tony. And how about this? Just to 
Put your mind at ease. I'll go Kadarius Tony has a big game this week. Is that and, right? And leads this offense to victory. The best is our graphics department right now has Paul on the hook. I was about to say, does that say Paul on the hooch? You have to say Kadarius Tony is probably going to have this kind of moment. Okay, so I would be I would be all in on that. I would clearly. Sean, I, I have to tell you, though, I cheated a little bit because it was uh, the very same Panthers coach, uh, Mr. Matt Rule, who just bitched and moaned all week about how his team missed 18 tackles against the Cleveland right. Browns. So I'm picking the most elusive giant on the field to be the star this week. There, I Look, I could totally, totally see that. And look, I, here's the deal. Fantasy-wise, I'm going to tell you that the Giants are not going to abandon what they did with Saquon Barkley. They're going to shove that down your throat. And I, and I think you will still get the yardage from Saquon Barkley in a couple big plays. But I think when it comes in time for the red zone, I think the Giants are going to, especially without a big pass rush from Carolina, are going to do a lot of play action down there in the red zone when they get there. And where you got the big Saquon touchdown on the holes opening, I don't know that you'll get maybe necessarily that this week. I could see a situation here where, get this, we saw him wide open a couple of times last week. How about David Sills gets on the end, gets in the end zone this week? We saw that Daniel Jones wanted to go there a couple of times. Now, maybe he has less reps because Kadarius Tony has more. But my my fantasy after the reality of, of Saquon getting him down there is I could see David still scoring a touchdown here, sneaky six points on the board for him. But I do think that Saquon still will be that guy to help get them down the field. And of course, the reality is we can't have Daniel Jones turning the ball over this week at all. And I still do worry, although there's no Simmons, I do worry about that left guard situation with the Giants this week. No matter what, in, in having a play blow up that gets tossed for a fumble the other way. And Paul, yeah, Matt, Matt Ioannidis yeah. uh, had done some things against the Giants when he was with Washington, as you'll remember a few years yeah. ago. He had made some plays against them over time, so he's a familiar foe. And with that, Paul, it's prediction time, baby. We both had the Giants winning shocker in week one, and they did. Here are the Giants, a little dealing with prosperity off of week one, home opener, crowd now very into a home opener with a little hope and a little promise. Where do you see this game falling? Give me a score. Give me a winner. Well, as I said to you before, I do think the Panthers offense provides a little bit more difficulty for the Giants defensively because of their soft spots. So I do think the Giants offense is going to be responsible for outscoring Carolina to win this game. I'm going to go 31-23 Giants with the victory. Wow, I do like their chances. But I, I, but I think it's going to be more incumbent upon the offense to do this thing. Paul, I hate to do this. I got the Giants losing this week. And the only reason I say that is big picture. I am stunned they won. I'm not stunned because I thought they would win. I'm stunned at the events that led to them winning last week. Not that they won. I thought it would be a little different. And knowing that the schedule is coming up with Cooper Rush and the Bears, it's, it has nothing to do with the Giants actually looking ahead. I'm not trying to say that. But the idea, are the Giants really going to go win all of these games? And if I look at this very macro, I think they will beat the Bears. I have real confidence they're going to beat Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. So do I really think we're going to live in the world where the Giants are 4-0? I could see that. <laughs> I really would. And the Aaron Robinson injury bothers me a little bit. I could see, sure. the, I see the Giants giving up a couple big plays here. I would feel more confident with Thibodeau and Ojolari. And how about this? After all the ecstaticness of losing on a missed field goal, Carolina kicks a field goal at the gun. The Giants lose 27-26 is my predictions. 
Well, you remember Graham Gano did that a few years ago. Yes, down he in did. Carolina to beat the Giants with a 60 plus yarder on the final snap. So uh you would have history repeating itself if that should happen. I would only say this. Uh, I look at that Carolina defense and they allowed Jacoby Brissett to move up and down the field against them the other day. I just I just don't think the Giants offense is going to be impeded enough. I think they'll do whatever they need to do to win this game. And I, I think, uh, um, you know, that that to me is the ultimate factor here, because I do think the Panthers are going to make this game very competitive. Believe me, when I say 31-23, this game is going to be competitive into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Trust me. Uh, and look, I hope so. And look, we both pretty much think it's going to be a close game. It's a matter of how much I think the offense does get there. I want to be stunned. I want to wake up with a 30-point effort on Monday and go, now we're off and rolling. Look at these next two games. Let's start thinking bigger picture about the Giants. I hope that's where we're at on Monday morning with one giant step. I'm just trying to be as real as possible. I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to be a homer. Uh, the idea of 2-0, and for the, like 1-0 and blew my mind. Everybody saw the ring doorbell cam. The idea I get of 2-0. I get it. Two and the, the idea four and people want to talk about. So I just I'm pinpointing this, isolating it. Defensive problems. That's where I think we stand. So Paul, if if, if the Giants go four and your family's going to have to move out for their own safety. Probably true. Probably true. And by the way, I still have no voice. I've been raspy doing radio all week. It's brutal. Uh, Paul, we can follow you on Twitter at Giants WFAN. You can follow me on Twitter at Moraz CBS. And we got a home opener, man. Let's go, Big Blue.